Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Another edition of On the Bench presented by Knowles 24-7. I'm your host for this absolutely fun-filled episode of the podcast. My name is Trey Rowland. I am here with probably two, I know for a fact, two much more knowledgeable and well-adjusted gentlemen than myself. I'm here with Chris Nee, the patriarch, the venerable, the ever-distinguished, and I'm also here with the Battles and CEO, Ingram Smith. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing this. It's been a long 24 hours. You realize we're only literally 24 hours removed from that happening. This is dog time. I feel like I've I've been a week of being mad every 10 minutes. Uh, I Anybody who's listening to this at the office, this is your D-Day. You are storming Omaha Beach because I fielded no less than eight separate requests to talk about this game and putting on the office smile with the fake office humor is much more than I can bear. Ingram, what's up, my man? Just tell me what's been going on. We're, Chris and I are going to hash out all of the – we're going to hash out everything. And that, of course, is sponsored by something that you guys have been getting deep into, Chattanooga Whiskey. Maybe you're playing a little football coach, College Dynasty on Steam. Or maybe you just want to sell your home because America and football isn't a real country or sport anymore and you want to move to Jamaica. And for that, you would use the Turner Group because they're the best and they'll get you the most. Sponsors out of the way. Ingram, I, I wanted to talk to you about, we're going to talk about the deed, the injustice, the travesty, but I want you to talk about the response because I think that what you've seen and what you've led this year has been remarkable. And as always, man, Florida State, like Mike Novell preaches, response, response, response. What's been Florida State's? Yeah, no, it's been, um, it's been a tough 24 hours, absolutely. I mean, yesterday around this time was uh, – that was a gut punch, definitely, and, and tough for us as fans and, and um, you know, just people who have an emotional investment in this team or, or this program. Uh, but really, really 
tough for the kids and to a lesser extent the coaches. But the, I mean, it's it's oh, this is a simple and stupid phrase. It's not easy being a college football player. It's not easy with the demands on your time and what goes into it and how much effort you put in. And to think that a you know a group of uh, of suits in a in a fall off conference room can can deprive you of of playing for a college football playoff uh, when you're 13 and 0 when you scheduled LSU when you you know legitimately have one of the better defensives in the country etc. I just don't think anybody was really ready for that. I mean, obviously there had been a a narrative being pushed even prior to the Jordan injury uh, about this, and in retrospect. Um, you know, I, I think a, a pretty grand injustice was started three or four weeks ago, or at least the process of it. But in my heart of hearts, and I think most of those kids, if not all of them, um, walked off that field on Saturday night, thought they were a playoff team. And to have the emotions of Saturday night uh, juxtaposed to the, uh, you know, the the ripping of your heart out at approximately 1230 on Sunday, uh, was a really tough thing. I mean, I've gotten to know some of these players very well. I don't know everybody, and I, I don't try to be, you know, best friends with these kids, but you do interact with them a lot. You get to know them, and, and you appreciate all the work that they put in. And, you know, to have a a 300-pound offensive lineman crying on the phone with you because he's never going to play another meaningful game of football is a really tough thing to hear, and I, I hate it for those kids who did everything in the world that was asked of them. And... um you know, I, I I don't think we're, we're we none of us are naive enough to think that this world is you know quote unquote fair, right? Uh, but I I do think when an injustice occurs, uh, at, at least in, in, we're talking about sports. Let's not get too far into the world of hyperbole. But when a sporting injustice occurs at this level, um, it catches your attention, and it certainly has caught the the fan base's attention. This isn't going to make what happened yesterday go away. It doesn't mean that you're going to be in the Rose Bowl um, or the or the Sugar Bowl, but I do applaud and commend uh, the general fan base's response. Uh, the battle's end has received, you know, 400 new members yesterday and, and at 110 in the afternoon wow. has received 200 more today. Um, so the response has been very significant and it's not going to be an immediate. There is no panacea for what occurred yesterday. There's nothing that's going to fix it. Uh, but it's a hell of a response, and it's, it's a hell of a uh, a step in the right direction. This fan base is massive. This fan base is passionate, as as we all know and are reminded. This fan base is is energetic, and um, I hate what the catalyst was for the last thirty six hours from a battles in perspective. Uh, but it has been great to see the response that's occurred. And. I think it's I think it's such a great point that you make because we don't we don't understand. We bleed garnet and gold. There are a ton of super diehard, passionate fans in this fan base. But the actual sacrifice that these guys put in in February, in March, weight room, mad drills, film review, so much of their time, the actual physical sacrifice that they do on the field, bodily injury potential long-term negative health effects and it doesn't matter to them because it is worth it because they know that what they're doing means something they are working towards the goal they are working with their brothers in the trenches and for those guys to feel like that effort which is real this season was real this season was great this was one of the best 
seasons in the history of this proud program, that defensive performance on Saturday night is one that I will remember for the rest of my lives, and it should not be tarnished. It was real. And the fact that you had 13 morons in a hotel room in Dallas say that, sorry, it doesn't because why didn't you beat Boston College by five? Why didn't you score an extra touchdown against Louisville when you held them to like six yards of offense? That invalidates everything that they've done. Is disgusting. This is sport. And you are right. There are more, more, more serious things going on in this world. But what happened for those kids and the and the risk of injury and what they do for this university program and fan base is real. And for it to get invalidated for a lot of nebulous and shadowy things that I think Chris and I are going to hash out. It is truly disgusting. And I am disgusted. Um, Chris, you've covered this team for a long time. You have yep. a great Ewan Ingram, have a great historical frame of reference. What this team was asked to do and how they responded as it seemed the adversity continued to pile up is almost in my mind unprecedented. Just how, how do you how do you feel? Stack up the effort, what you've seen, and then just verbalize how you're feeling about all this. So outside of people on the football team in the football building, there's probably six to 12 people that are around the program as much as myself, Brendan Ingram, and a few others are. So we know that the moment that the Cheez-It Bowl ended in FSU beat Oklahoma last year, you had a group of guys that made a decision on whether or not to stay or go, whether it was transferring out or going pro. Those guys decide largely to come back, focus largely on accomplishing something together, truly putting their minds to it. You know, you have the spring work, you have the pre-spring work, you have spring football itself, you have the off-season player run workouts, the stuff they do with Josh Storms, you have the actual preseason, which let me tell you, preseason is a grind. I'm worn the hell out at the end of the preseason. I'm just an overweight dad. Like, I can't imagine <laughs> being a player. And then you roll into the season and you deal with every single obstacle that comes your way and you go through everything before you and you get to the end and you're told the prize isn't there for you to attain. And there's no good reason the prize isn't there for them to attain. And it's absurd. I cannot imagine being a player, a coach, anybody associated with that program that had put in that 12-month process of work to only be told at the end that, you know, a handful of people essentially in a room said, no, you're not good enough for it. You're not allowed to do it. You you did everything put before you. You did everything asked of you. And for the first time in a decade, you're going to be the team that's told no. I, you know, Mike Norvell handled it as well as I think anybody can. We saw that live reaction. You can tell for a guy who's ultra consistent with the way he conducts himself, carries himself, and presents himself to the public, his football team, and everybody around him. He had that moment of, let me – digest this and then he immediately got up to you know speak to his team and they were going through it you saw guys i think i saw cj campbell get up immediately walk away it looked like there were several others a lot of guys hands and face kind of stuff like that's brutal that's an awful awful moment for guys who did everything asked of them made a decision on their part largely especially guys like jared verse trey mm -hmm. benson those sorts and then in the end they're told well it's just not good enough guys it's not fair and you don't deserve it, despite you literally doing every single thing before you. It's mind-blowing to me. It's it's disgusting. The, the, the words I come back to is disgusting, unfair, and just an atrocious use of power. Um, they got the, the committee got bullied and decided to play, you know, TV pairings. You know, I, I'm not gonna dive into narratives because I think they're idiotic. There's so many of them out there that kind of talks just about how stupid it all is that we don't have one singular narrative of why this happened. 
But a few of them is Jordan Travis is essentially all FSU is, which is a lot of you know what, because we saw FSU go out there against Louisville, and that defense was superb. We spoke to Jared Burst, Braden Fist, Fabian Lovett, uh, Tatum Bethune, several other guys after the game. I asked a few of them, do you think your defense here gets the credit it deserves? It certainly doesn't. And it's clear it doesn't because, while well, the committee decided it doesn't. You know, we asked them, do you feel like you did enough? And they all felt like it was, you know, in the committee's hands, but they had done enough. And, well, clearly, you know, the committee said no. It's just, I don't know. I think it sets a horrible precedent. I don't it won't matter because we're going to a 12-team playoff, so we're moving on from what we're currently dealing with. But it's just, it's disgusting. I mean, Trey, you'll probably enjoy this reference. You know, Montreal screw job was unscripted. <laughs> this felt scripted, but it was still a screw job. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. very unhappy about it all. Wholeheartedly agree, and the only thing that I'll add is that <clears throat> you you turned the ACC championship into a fake game. The game didn't matter. The game you turned the conference championship game into a meaningless exhibition. Uh, and I I don't know how that ever happened. And I said this on the Nolcast. I don't mean to just reiterate stuff, but I don't know how Boo Corgan hasn't resigned. I don't know how you can be an athletic director of an ACC institution and oversee a process that basically turned the ACC into a group of five conference yesterday, because yeah. that's what happened. They and themselves. your dad built this league, or at least your dad was transformational in building this league. And you were the one that drove the final nail into the coffin. And I, I, I will never understand how that process played out. Um, yeah. To add to Ingram's point, I was disgusted with Jim Phillips. Um, I asked after the game, I was standing there with David Hill, Andrea Adelson, two people I respect and like a great deal. And I asked him, had Jim Phillips said anything, put out a statement, appeared on ACC Network. Andrea shared the statement that he had shared with ESPN that they published that evening. And it, it was very basic. Um, I, you know, you he's know, got a PhD, Chris, because I uh, love it, seeing that on the uh, yeah. on the press releases. That's cute. But but he won't stand up and fight for his conference, and I get it. I understand there's bad blood because FSU wholeheartedly has said they want to get out of here, and I get that. But you cut your nose off to spite your face. That's what Jim Phillips decided to do. And Jim Phillips being a weak-backed individual who is unwilling to actually go out there and you know make more money for his conference because if FSU gets into the CFP, it's $2 million more million plus another $4 because Louisville is probably in the Orange Bowl. So you're just reducing money down the line that you're going to then revenue share and make sure some of these schools stay afloat. But you, you made sure not to go out of your way to help FSU in any form or fashion. I'm not going to act like I know definitively that he did it because of the offseason and Michael Alford and FSU being as outward as they have been about revenue and potentially departing the conference. But one would think that it probably played a role, or at least it did not hurt his feelings wholeheartedly. And it's just sort of disgusting to me that that's where you're at. Like Sankey's on ESPN, I mean – he, he's, you know, doing everything. I mean, they have to tell him to leave, basically. Yeah. 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 And, and, and you've got your own network and you won't step on the air to do it. Like, what are we doing? Like, that's not how it works. And, yeah, Corrigan and Phillips are both in this completely complicit. And it's just mind-blowing to me that they would both do it to their league, a school in their league, and a school that they know is excellent at football this year in their league. They know how good the ACC is, not to say some powerhouse. But it's a plenty good league this year, and a year where the SEC isn't very good, or at least not up to SEC standards. Six and it's four against the SEC. Mind blowing to me that they would not stand up there and fight to some form or fashion, and it, it's kind of disgusting. Again, that word comes up. 
I, I agree with you 100%. You took what should be the crown jewel of your conference, and you turned it into a meaningless bowl game. You turned the ACC championship to the bad boy mowers, Jim Phillips impotency bowl. It means nothing. It was fake. It was fugazi. And you took a defense. To me, the, the thing that I don't understand is somehow Florida State winning, not with their second-string quarterback on the road, which they accomplished, beat the spread at Florida. Now you're winning with your third-string quarterback in a neutral site against a legitimate top-15 team, a hurt third-string quarterback, mind you, and you showed a championship-level defense, one of the best defensive performances. They held Louisville under 200 yards of offense, a Louisville that has not been as healthy as this since the beginning of the season. And somehow that shows that you're less of a complete team when you're giving – a defensive line that had 8 million sacks was load managed to perfection a month to get healthy with the hurt kid, 18 year old. That's not even going to play anyway. I heard, I love Brock Glenn. He would not have been playing against Michigan. And they kept saying his name as if college football fans are mouth breathing simpletons. They know that as well. And I just don't, I, I challenge how many teams in the country, have the talent to win their conference championship game with their third-string quarterback. Is Washington going to do it? No. Are Bama and Georgia going to do it against each other? No. Is Texas? No. How? What? What is the standard that's being held to? And it's just, it's all fake. And it drives me nuts because we know that the actual, the actual work that these kids put in, I don't understand. I don't understand Boo Corrigan, like you said, Ingram. What he's going to have to go back to Dave Dorn and be like, "Hey, number one, we cost you know like like a couple million bucks here." And I basically, if Florida State ain't good enough to make the top four, NC State is basically Colorado State. They're basically an also ran of the Mountain West. People should be fired in conference. The I want to talk about the ramifications next, and we I don't know how Ingram, Chris, whoever wants to jump in. We there's many. There's individual for these players and what happens next. There's micro as far as just the Florida State and ACC perspective. And then the actual macro of what you've done, because this has sparked a national distaste. And you've got people like U.S. senators, sitting governors chiming in on this. I think that they thought they could get away with it. Like Bud and Ingram said on the Noel cast, cause they're going to 12 after this and who cares about precedent. And I think they picked the wrong team in the wrong fan base. I really do. Cause this is not, this is a lifelong grudge for me personally. And I know for everybody listening, but In- Ingram, what do you think ramifications wise? I know, I know you're short on time. So talk about it if you can. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, I think it's a dangerous game that we played. You know, college football is awesome, and it's and it's it's a wonderful sport, and it's passionate, and it allows you know for people like us to to turn this into a profession. And um, I guess a, a long winded way of saying that they need to be very very careful of what they're doing. College football, if the regular season doesn't matter, college. What am I going to go watch the Atlanta Braves or am I going to watch the Rome Braves? You know what I'm saying? Like you mm-hmm. like. You, college football is an inferior product compared to the NFL when you're looking solely at height, speed, weight, talent, etc. Correct. Um, if you take away the regular season, which you're going to diminish to some extent next year by going to 12, it's fine. It's a business. 
you're growing the pot, etc. Um, but the precedent that was set yesterday, that being a power five team and winning all your games and scheduling LSU and beating an SEC and state rival, regardless of you know whether or not they're at their, their top shape or not, um, that's dangerous, man. And I told Bud this last night, and Bud and I have worked together for a long time, so he knows where I'm coming from when I say this and that I'm not trying to take shots at him. I have no interest in listening to cover threes breakdown a week three next year. It doesn't effing matter. Uh, that's, that's what we learned yesterday. Um, it's a, it's dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. Uh, that what they did from that regard, uh, there are other ramifications to this and there's nobody else better than Chris knee to, uh, to explain those to your audience. I'm going to have to jump here. I've got to call it one thirty, and today's the first day of the portal. And, as you can imagine, my phone is busy. melting down. Yes. Godspeed, uh, brother. But God no, God I appreciate you guys letting me join. Appreciate all the people that have decided to join the Battles in, whether it be Battles in, Seminole Boosters, wherever it is that you find, you know, an appropriate appropriate avenue uh, to voice your displeasure and to support the entity that, that you have an emotional investment in uh, would encourage people to do so. So it sucks. There's nothing that's going to take away what happened yesterday. Uh, but collectively as a fan base, uh, we just have to make sure that there's never another Florida state team that's put in a place or has to, uh, you know, carry the burden that, that this one did. So I appreciate you guys having me on today. Love you, buddy. Thank you. Right, Thanks, Ingram. Talk soon. Hey buddy. Yeah. As Ingram said, it's galvanizing. It's one of those things. And that might be the only good thing that comes out of all of this. FSU has got an insanely good fan base. It's been a joy this year to be, whether it was in Charlotte or Pittsburgh, or Orlando for the LSU game at the start, or anywhere in between. When FSU was on the road, they took over towns. And that's awesome. And that was true in New Orleans a year ago. It's a great fan base. It's a passionate, caring fan base. It's a fan base that deserves to get the prize at the end of what they just did, because, while well, their team earned it. And I think that I think Ingram's very much correct about you're devaluing the product by what you did. And I understand the SEC has the biggest fan bases and all that. And I understand that ultimately they want the SEC in there because it's made for TV product. All those things are true. But like, you're, you're also just saying like, like you said, week three doesn't matter. Hell, I mean, week 10, 11, 12 conference championship doesn't matter. You can't do that. And it's, it's disgusting. And I get why FSU fans are so angry. I very much look forward to the day that college game day is sent back to Tallahassee because, well, you know, hopefully they have extra security because, I can only imagine what that passion is going to be like, especially if it's in the relatively near future. Cause you know, these cuts are not going to scar over real quick and go away. Like they're going to stick it, it. Yesterday was a miserable day for the FSU fan base. And it was a miserable day for the actual football team. And, you know, I, I tried to write that last night. Like we, me and Brett Nevitt are up in uh carry for the soccer match tonight. And we mm. came over from Charlotte yesterday and, driving over to carry i'm like i need to write something on this but i don't know what i want to write i didn't want to go into all of the you know narratives of yet why they should be held out why they were should have been in i didn't want to do that like i'm over the narrative stuff i wanted to write about the moment i was watching that feed and saw the way those players and everybody reacted and knowing what they have done you know between december 2nd 3rd and dating back to basically january 1st of this year like i wanted to encapsulate that moment i want to encapsulate the idea of a Braden fisk a one-year rental for lack of a better term coming to fsu playing his backside up showing up to the last two games with a boot before the game and a boot after the game, and going out and just whipping the other team and like that's passion that's want to that's care and it it again disgusts me that 
basically a great football team. And FSU is a great football team. Don't fool yourself thinking it's only a good football team and it's great when it has Jordan Travis. It's a great football team. Jordan Travis will tell you it's a great football team. Jordan Travis makes it a football team capable of playing for anything and everything. And without Jordan Travis, it would take some good luck and good favor. But, hell, TCU was supposed to get their ass kicked in the first round last year. And last I remember, they played for a national title. And, yes, they got rolled in said national title game. But at some point, you let the games get played. And what ticked me off yesterday is it was just done for a multitude of reasons, but one of them was the belief that FSU cannot go there and compete with Washington, Michigan, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, whoever you want to put in as the other three. And I just think that's stupid. If FSU is that bad, they shouldn't be playing Georgia in the Orange Bowl. I, I agree. And I, the, the game day point's hilarious. Like whatever the blind musician from Roadhouse, that little cage that he played in, they're going to have to get that for the entire chicken wire because there's going to be multiple things thrown at them. The thing that we talk about devaluing the sport, right? And not all devaluation is made equal. There's a devaluation when you have a larger, when you have a larger like postseason, right? Like if your team loses in the NFL, oh, okay, that sucks. But we got next week. It's fine. Like we just get back on a roll. That's fine. Making the investment in each game less and less because it means less. And that is the fear when it comes to college football. Now the type of devaluation that occurred yesterday is something far more heinous and sinister because not only are you like, this isn't just, Oh, eh, okay. We lost to Bama. Like what, what if Bama lost to USF? We can get back in it. You know, there's 12 teams. We'll, we'll be fine. Win the conference. What if you're, what if you're telling fans like, Hey man, great win against Clemson. It's fake because it's not going to matter because we're going to have a mishmash at the end of the, at the end of the year. And that's how we're going to determine some nebulous system that we can't, nobody can explain it the same way and nobody can explain it the same way in the same year. And nobody can explain it the same way every year before or since. So you're devaluing the sport by questioning legitimacy. And when legitimacy is questioned, particularly when it's also accompanied by an overwhelming, resounding narrative on the network that just also happens to own the rights to the conference that snuck in, in my opinion, undeservedly, you start talking about legitimacy, you start giving like conspiracy, which I don't even, it's out in the open. So is it even a conspiracy at this point, network influence on the actual, what should be governing body of this sport and on a year where and it became so egregious not because of who they chose to target the nature of why this team became a target in a gruesome leg injury anyway and the way that this team responded this is an eminently likable team you're telling the world that in one of the most parody driven years in the history of college football there is not one team whose play on the field and resume rises head and shoulders like there have been in the past you're going to tell me in this year of absolute parity that Florida State doesn't have a chance against these teams, against Michigan, who had like 200 yards of offense against Iowa, who hasn't done anything since they got caught for their their, their cheating scandal. Alabama, who we've already talked about their flaws. This is the year where it's like, no, Florida State don't even try. It's absurd, Chris, from a, and I think I can't I can't pinpoint which part of my diatribe makes me physically ill the most. It may be the absolutely 
just media effort, the coordinated, collusive media effort to the fact where you have a guys like Greg McElroy four or five days ago saying, oh, yeah, he, he was invited to the barbecue a week ago. And now if he shows up, you know, he looked pale. Same. He looked like there was a nine millimeter in his spine saying, say the words, say the Kirk speech, say the Herb Street speech. Yeah, it felt a little like talking points were handed down. And that that's disappointing. Like, I appreciate Booger shooting straight, saying exactly what the lot. Dan Mullins, another oh. guy that I feel like has been very straight about it. But you've had the the Kirks and the Matt Kirk Herb Streets and Matt Berries and some of the others who have felt very much on the other side. And everybody's welcome to their opinion. My issue is that like it became a beating over the head of those opinions. And at some point it's like a week ago, you thought this was the best team in the country. Number one. And now they're number six because they lost Bama who damn near lost to Auburn outside of a miracle ending. But Hey, they won credit to a team that won winning is what used to matter. So they won, you know, like it's that like quit going with preconceived notions that, you know, what the hell is going to happen when two football teams line up against one another when they're relatively comparably good and talented and capable and have plenty of guys that can line up, play a game of football at high level and put their teams in a position and win. Because if you were that good at knowing what the heck's going to happen, you would be able to buy an island. And it seemed like as soon as it was this, this college football season was two phases. It was Colorado until they started to suck. And then it's undefeated. Florida state doesn't need to get in the playoff. And they kept advocating for this thing that was unprecedented for a very good reason. Florida State is the only team that can confidently say we did everything that we were supposed to do. Alabama did not. You lost to Texas at home. You look like crap. Texas, you did not. I don't care what you said. You lost to an Oklahoma team who was meh, who didn't even get to their conference championship game. For Oklahoma State, who got brained 33-7 to to a directional Alabama school, I'm not even sure which of the directions I think south. I'm not sure. Florida State did not. They won. On on that point, Trey, if, say, FSU did get included and you're deciding between Texas and Alabama, uh, I'd be very interested how that would have all played out because they got Bama who beat Georgia, very quality, very good win, but you got Texas who won the head-to-head between the two teams. And that's the imperfect system that it is. But my point more so is like, I think they were not in the position of wanting to have to make said decision. So the the victim decided to be FSU from their viewpoint. I agree. And I, I, I so much of this is so subjective that like if Georgia won, I, I think Florida state might be in. Cause I feel like they just needed to shoehorn an sec team in there and they couldn't do Bama without Texas because they pick and choose what games matter and what don't. And the faux sympathy is what really, when you have Kirk Herbstreet for a month saying asinine, bull, I'm trying not to curse on this one. I've done enough of that the past couple of days. Um, but for a month. And then guess what, dude? You're the dog and you caught the goddamn car. You caught the car and now you're sad that you got rubber in your mouth. You make this weird hostage video under hushed tones and odd lighting about, oh, how Jordan Travis is a warrior and these guys are this. You ripped it away from them, dude. Your media narrative worked. The committee is dumb enough and they are influential. They, they're they're easily influenced enough to where what you said on the little box mattered to them. And you got yeah. what you asked for. So, Chris, are there any media ramifications to this? Like, you know, the FSU media department, like, Will, will will there be a difference in the way that, that Florida State treats their media and conference partner? Quote, I mean, I, ESPN, I, do you think? I doubt it. I doubt it. 
Um, but I've not had that conversation. So I'd be kind of speaking out of turn to say, it. but I, I don't expect it. I mean, it's like most things in the world. It's controlled by money and it's a whole lot of money, but and you need the money. Yeah. But again, if that, if you have that relationship, I go back to my Jim Phillips point earlier and you have the ACC network. How is the ACC network just not? And some people were there. EJ Manuel certainly was. Eric McLean. I think think Eric was. uh, Hose and others. There were plenty over there. But how is like the commissioner not on there? How is there not multiple? You're just you know getting different coaches at FSU face this year. Pat Narduzzi going on there and talking about FSU coming to their place, battling and winning a tight game, or you know. Uh, BC's coach on there about, oh, Castellanos was new. FSU struggled with him, not to mention FSU was very sick in that game, but mm-hmm. whatever. We didn't talk a lot about that back then outside of us immediately in the immediate pool of media. Um, you know, stuff like that. Like, it just blew my mind how there was not, and I, I get it, like, FSU probably could have done a better job in-house of being vocal about it. But that was never their intention. That's not how they operate, and that's not a Mike Norvell thing. Mike Norvell's belief was if we go do what we need to do on the field, we'll be in because president in history says that's what always happens. What happened to FSU had never happened. But, like, the league did nothing. There was no movement within the league. And I don't know if FSU has to move that mountain or the ACC has to make that decision or if FSU is just, you know, up the creek without a paddle because, well, we've made it public that, well, we value our brand and serve more money, believe that we've carried this conference largely for the last three decades outside of a short uh, stint when Clemson was clearly the cream of the crop. And it is what it is. And maybe that's what it is in the end. But, like, you know. I don't think what happened yesterday is going to slow down FSU's efforts to get the hell out of this place and go somewhere else and do something different for themselves. And Boo Corrigan and Jim Phillips were directly responsible for that in part. So, you know, you make the bed, you ultimately sleep in it. Maybe that's what happened at FSU, but I think there'll be ramifications moving forward where FSU tries to return the favor tenfold. Uh, and you could you could even see when he was handing over that trophy, that look of disdain, and then like the tepid statements that like one, it, it's... Obviously, FSU. Not not only are they going to get out, they need to get out. Do you? Does well, this weak, change, weak does leadership this change the calculus? Like the, for other teams now. Like we've told well, you that this is a fake. This is a fake Power Five. Now you all know. Does this does this speed up the clock at all? Have you heard anything? I mean, of course, rumors are flying everywhere. But I mean, what do you think is like a, like an actual reasonable person that knows what they're talking about as far as like FSU's relationship with the conference and the conference itself? Well, I don't think FSU's relationship with conference is any good. I don't think it's been any good pretty much for the last 12 months. Actually, probably truthfully going back further than that. Um, you know, for FSU, it comes down to a financial decision. It comes down to dancing partners. And it comes down to what kind of legal battle can you fight and win. And that's been the truth dating back to May when things got very public with this. And I think that's been the truth truthfully dating back to now, what, 18 months ago, roughly, that they really started investigating the potential departure. Mm-hmm. But uh Weak, weak leadership, which the ACC certainly has, leads to weakness for those that belong to it. And when you're FSU, you're 13-0, and 0, you're a very strong brand, you know, you're strong in the NIL game, you're strong in the booster game and improving in that department. You've got great AD, you've got a president who fully supports ac- athletics and allows their AD to do their job. You have a very good football coach who's forward-thinking and a guy that can get on TV and be outward about his program and present in a great manner as Mike Norvell can. And everything seems to be going in the same direction in Tallahassee with regards to FSU. When you have all that and you still get kneecapped like FSU did on Sunday, 
it speaks to basically the things outside your control, which is the league itself and Jim Phillips and the leadership and the weakness of it all. And the fact that they did nothing to protect the brand. And if you're any of the other brands in this league, Graham Neff at Clemson, if you're listening, uh, Boo Corrigan knows because, well, he was involved in the kneecapping and plenty of others. Like, you got to understand that. And, you know, I, I think Clemson understands that. I think UNC understands that. And there might be somebody else in that party. But, like, FSU needs it to happen sooner rather than later. The sooner FSU can get out, it matters because of two reasons. One, so this never happens again. And two, financially, it's much better for FSU not to be here than to be here. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I agree. And I always thought that the, the, the way this would happen would be, you know, unlike the legal world or some sort of negotiated settlement, things of that. Like, I, I'm not I'm not knowledgeable enough in it to really comment. But, man, the possibility of just everybody saying this is this is unacceptable and taking what what does it need? You need seven total like to having the appropriate number of dance partners. God yeah. forbid if, like, God but forbid if, like, NC State ever won a conference championship. You got to remember, like they're going to do that to us. The flip side of that is 
people got to have a place to go. And I've always thought that's an issue for the ACC because there's programs in this league that just don't take athletics seriously enough to land anywhere significant. What they're currently getting in the honeypot is probably as good as they can do. Yeah, I, I think that's another thing. But I, those conversations about landing spots, I you better believe they're happening a lot more frequent and a lot more urgent than they were even just 24 hours ago, in my opinion. Yeah. Where does the team go from here? Obviously, the next destination is is the Orange Bowl against Georgia, which is just I'm so mad that like this the one normally in any other year, great opportunity, especially for a highly culture driven team like the one that Mike Norvell has. But it's such a self-defeating game because Florida State is a veteran-laden team. There was a lot of people that could have gone to the draft last year that came back this year. Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? I don't know. I imagine there's going to be a fair amount of departures from an already like depleted offense, defense, things of that nature. So you go, you play against a Georgia team, which has had about, I don't know, five or six or seven years of recruiting at a top-five level to, to – to, to strengthen that roster you go and you play a hard-fought game and you lose and then everybody goes look see florida state's not good couldn't even beat georgia not even the sec yeah. champion you go and you win and it's the same sec bull crap as if oh, they didn't want to be there they got jobbed out of the playoff so it's it's not they didn't do fsu any favors with this matchup and it seems like it to me yeah they can say it was five versus six and this is the de facto hey, could, could have maybe been in the playoff bowl i don't know but it, it, it almost feels like this was calculated how is the team feeling about this bowl game, this opportunity? And I don't know, who do you think is even going to be there if you want to talk about that? I know it's too early. Well, you got to remember, they literally have the announcement on Sunday afternoon, and Mike Norvell and his staff are immediately on the road right after it to go do in-home visits and go see recruits. So, like, there is no time to absorb it all. And you're trying to give the players this week and maybe even a little into next week to, one, wrap up the semester – to just take a breath because FSU's been at it for basically 10 weeks straight since bye, and they're tired. But, yeah, there's decisions to be made. I am interested if the ball turns into an opt-out ball, and that's from both sides of the aisle, FSU and Georgia. Mm-hmm. And neither's really playing for a whole lot, you know, outside of trying to finish the season when I win. FSU's obviously playing to try to finish an undefeated season. But, again, wins don't mean what they used to a few days ago. Um I don't think FSU will have a ton of guys opt out. I, I would understand if guys opt out who are going pro. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the Johnny Wilsons of the world, Keon Coleman's, Trey Benson, plenty of others who it would make sense if they decided. I just think this group likes playing together and wants to go do it one more time. Now, I'm interested. I think as we get a week removed from this and they get back on the practice field and back together as a team, I'm interested where the mood is because I think the mood yesterday is obviously like it doesn't matter. I think there's a degree of that. Um, and obviously it does matter in the sense of what they're trying to accomplish as a group and what they're trying to put the bow tie on for the season for themselves. But there's also a degree of we were just told it doesn't matter because, well, we should be in the top form or not. So I am interested as they get removed from that, how to handle it. Um, you know, Johnny Wilson, for example, put out an Instagram message today. And it's a little open-ended on whether or not it means he intends to leave after season. If he doesn't intend to play in the bowl game, like it's mm-hmm. not clear. So that's sort of where we are. We're dealing with that, but you know, the ability for the coaches and the players to actually get together and deal with one another is just a little up in the air because FSU played in the conference championship week. Then immediately you roll into recruiting. We're about to have two official visit weekends. You roll into early signing day. We're in that condensed part of the calendar where everything's smashed together. So I don't think those conversations have happened yet. I think guys are probably playing a bit of ping pong tennis in their heads, trying to figure out stay, right. go, what makes sense, what doesn't. Should I hit the portal if I'm a guy intending to leave the program? 
are they what's up is you going to do portal wise all that's going on from all sides of it so i think there's a good bit of basically figuring it out over the next seven to ten days and i think what might be true today necessarily won't be true in a week's time with those guys so i know that's a little long-winded and doesn't give a whole lot of specifics but i think it's tough to give specifics right now that all being said, I think the Orange Bowl is a tough task for two main reasons. One, Georgia is a really good football team, first and foremost. Let's not glance over that point. But secondly, I just think it's going to be really tough to go out there and feel inspired to play, despite the fact that they're such a self-motivated bunch because uh, you did have your heart and soul ripped out. Like, Georgia's not in the playoffs because they lost their last game, and timing does matter in the playoffs as much as it's unfair at times. It has played a role both ways of making it in, not making it in, things of that sort. So like yeah, Georgia has a great case because Georgia has a great case because they are one of the best teams in the country. Right, Nobody's and they fa- they failed. That's why they're right. not in. They failed. They end. failed. So like they, they failed once. FSU's not in because people in a room made a decision that an undefeated team that had done everything before them wasn't allowed to go play. And I I think those situations are different. And yeah, Kirby's a very good bowl coach. Mike Norvell's a very good football coach who has had success in bowls in his time at FSU last year, obviously. So we'll see. You got a lot of time to kind of, you know, put some neosporin on those cuts and hope they heal up a little bit. But I think it's gonna be tough. I, I just I think emotionally it's gonna be a very difficult situation for FSU to navigate because despite this team being great at response, nobody expected to have to respond to something like this. And I, I think there's a level level of absurdity absurdity to it that makes it more difficult. When a guy breaks his leg on the field, it's awful, it's heart-wrenching, especially when it's Jordan Travis. And it's very difficult, but it inspired them to go play for Jordan Travis. I don't know what the inspiration here, other than maybe sticking up the good old-fashioned middle finger, going to beat a really good SEC team and finishing undefeated. And those are all great things, but tough task at the same time. At the end of the day, you're still going to be viewed as, at best, the fifth best team in the country because you weren't allowed to go play for what you earned the right to go play and to get the prize you came back and you battled for all year to ultimately play for. And that's just unjust, unfair, and again, disgusting. God, it's enough to turn even the most motivated person nihilistic, man. Like, do what, I, what, 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 like, what, what, I, what do I do not, in that? And bowl games, not to themselves. at all Go make ahead. it about me, not to make it at all about me. I had a moment yesterday where I'm like, I really enjoyed covering this season. I enjoyed covering FSU winning 13 games. I enjoyed the great moments, the bad moments, everything in between, watching them do it. I enjoyed the relationships I built with people within the program. I enjoyed watching guys develop and get better and be successful on the field. I enjoyed watching Jared Burris act like the badass, you know, what he is on the football field. Same with Braden Fist, so many other guys on that defense. Pat Payton becoming a PBU god. I enjoyed all of that <laughs> stuff. But I felt like yesterday it was all for naught, and that's a crappy feeling. And that's just me as an observer, as a guy who enjoyed covering them, appreciated the ability to cover them, appreciated the openness that that program gives to somebody like me in the media to cover them and actually build relationships with them, which I immensely appreciate. I have no actual connection to the winning and anything on the field. So I cannot imagine how that wallops those guys who did what they did for the last 12 months to basically be told it just wasn't good enough. It's the ultimate test, man. And I just, I hate, there's been so many mealy mouth platitude takes of man, Florida state, they, it's great season, guys. Great season. They'll have this one forever. Uh, you know, now they now they know for sure Mike's the guy. The duh. Okay, we didn't know that last year after all the crap that they went through. There's so many mealy mouth, just 
participatory, feel good about yourselves, even though you're not raising the trophy that was ripped from you. And I feel like that bowl game is almost like it would be the, the championship of that. And it absolutely, it absolutely tears me up. But what response wise, do we think that is this going to have a lasting negative impact on, I, I don't think on the program in general, just because of the expansion of the playoff, but in, in the short term for transfer portal activity, like these guys have a year left. They want to play for something. Are there narratives that are being set that see to me? Well, narratives always exist. I know, but the, the, to, me it's I, a, it, it, I, to me, it's a dumb narrative because it's like, oh, I agree. Go 13 and 0 at Florida State. It's like, okay, well, your school didn't go 13 and 0, so I can't even go 13 and 0 at your school. But what do you think that this is an easily, do fans are worried about narratives and things of I, that I nature think, in the short term? I think coaches can handle it fine and things. You know, again, it's a one off because we're going to a 12 team playoff next year. You know, I, it, it is something that will come up. You know, I saw, I think Graham Hall from our U.S. site tweeted yesterday about it, and people obviously jumped on him because everybody was angry and emotional yesterday. And But there's a degree of, yeah, that's going to exist. Anything you can use as ammunition against an opponent in recruiting is used. Mm-hmm. The key is for the team you're using it against to basically be capable enough of going out there and combating it. And I think Mike Norvell and the people in the room are smart enough to understand that. But, yeah, it's going to exist. It, I think it's foolish to act like it's not going to exist. And I don't all the one thing too, Chris, that you that you said, and of course our emotions are heightened. And think of the players; those are they're heightened even more than us. Is is the realness of what we saw? This Florida State team, and to even get back to my point before, the why the mealy mouth platitude stuff really annoys me is I know Florida State's got a great coach. I know they had a great team, and I know they're going to have great teams for many years to come because this program has had great teams for many years to come. But that does not mean these undefeated seasons, even for great teams, you have to have things break your way. They are not for granted. Yeah. And these kids put in a Herculean effort. How many undefeated seasons have there been at this school just in totality? And to I have one seven. where you don't and to have one where you don't get the playoffs, the University of Florida has never had one. Has never had one in Florida. And that's seven regular seasons. Yeah. Sorry. And, this, and that's okay, no problem. And this Florida State team just had one. And I don't want to say it was for nothing because what they did on the field was real. Chris, what do you think the legacy of these 2023 Florida State Seminoles are going to be? How will they be remembered? And just what do you, what was the most impressive thing to you? Because right now it sucks. It's, it's very hard not to be filled with rage. I still am. Like every 15 minutes, I get really mad. But I think once time and perspective settles in, this is going to be viewed is one of the best teams in this program's history. And I don't think it's just going to be because of the injustice that happened to them at the end of the season. What's your opinion on their legacy? I think there is a degree of to always be viewed as a bunch. that got screwed. It's kind of like somebody said to me, Jordan Travis, when people talk about him, are always going to finish the conversation with your career ended with the injury, which is unfair wholeheartedly, but like it's a, it's the last thing. And FSU getting screwed out of playoffs this year is sort of the last thing for them, even though they do have one more game here. But I also think this group's going to be credited with ultimately kind of cementing Mike Norvell and what he's trying to accomplish at FSU and showing, you know, proof of concept wholeheartedly. And I, I think that does matter. To me, I immediately think of 97. 97 was a team that was certainly good enough to win it all. They lost, played poorly at UF at the end of the year, ended up not playing for it all. But they were arguably one of the best teams in the country that year. It would be very funny if there was a playoff committee back then if FSU would have had a chance just because – well, I test wise, they were pretty damn good that year, but they did mess up at the end. 
anyways, I digress from that. This team, I have a little bit of that of like unfinished business. They never got their chance. They were really good. Do I think they were capable of winning a national title? Yeah. Ball is going to have to break their way and they're going to need some luck along the way and whatnot. But you give them the chance. Like ultimately, a team earns the right to have that chance. They deserve to have that chance. I think the presumption of how games will play out is just an idiotic concept, especially in a year, as you referenced earlier, with so much parity. And let's be honest, teams that we thought were the best teams in the country this year, Ohio State, Georgia at different points, well, they both took L's because, well, games have to be played. I think that's well said. And I, there's one thing that I know is that they shouldn't have had – they earned the right. They were not given the right like some teams were. They earned the right, and it was ripped away from them because of nebulous bureaucratic garbage. But I know that if any coach and any team can respond, it's Florida State and Mike Norvell. So I am excited to see where they go next. I'm not going to lie. I had a great conversation with you, great conversation with Ingram. I'm still mad, and it's not going to dominate my life. I'm not going to be muttering to myself in the hallways of my office like a crazy person. But I guarantee if it's ever brought up and I randomly think about it, I'm going to be mad about it for a very long time. I don't have the mental strength of a Florida State student athlete or a Florida State coach or even my other colleagues that I'm speaking with. It's going to make for some weird Christmas party moments. Is that what you're trying to say? Dude, it's you already might... made for a lot of weird office moments and sales calls. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh. I, I, I'm so excited to see where this team goes from here because they're well-equipped. Like I said, this this is the foundations of a program. And guys, on Knowles247.com is where you are going to see all of it. Transfer portal, recruiting, official visit weekends, bowl prep, exit interviews, and the best analysis and board community on the block. I am so proud to be a part of this team. And I am proud to cover these Florida State Seminoles who, man, they worked for it, dude. They worked for it, and the system screwed them, and that's a damn shame. But I got, I got nothing else, Chris. What, what do you want to say, man? Wrap it up. I, I mean, I just it felt all very criminal yesterday. Absolutely, absolutely, and of course, as always, some of the biggest criminals—they're not wearing orange; they're wearing ill-fitting suits in a hotel room in Texas. Guys, or wearing makeup and under TV lights. <laughs> Caked on. Caked on, Herbie. Love you guys. Nolls247.com. It gets better. We promise. We love you. Keep chopping. Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 